I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and envies. Welcome to Watery Desho, Stream of Thought. This is Banana Fish, episode 17. And we're breaking our backs just to know your name. Because everything I flows. I hate because I want to say, I want to make the joke first. <laughs> like, I mean, God. Sometimes, like, you know, when we do these stream of thoughts, I just think to myself, like, you know, <laughs> that sometimes, like, the order in which we do, we all say it works out well, or it sometimes doesn't. Mm-hmm, I mean, I obviously mm-hmm. got to you know, do the last episode of Franks, and that was a shit show. Uh, and then this time, I was like, right, I want to get the moment in to get the killer's jokes in, because they're going to roll. They're going to roll off the time. But no, you had to beat me to it. How how dare you? How dare you? So in the meantime, I'm going to keep pouring my drink. I dare because because listen Natalie listen Cheers. Natalie listen this is your last chance it's the only one I could think of at the moment that doesn't really fit together well uh, I have one for Lisa okay. probably all know, so. I mean I could have said I dare mm-hmm. because I've got soul but I'm not a soul but that just would have been too hacky that's, I, that's well, too, too low hanging fruit even for me well, I've actually made that joke in a previous stream of thought that didn't have anything to do with the killers. I don't so, remember hey, this. Uh, please, please refresh my memory. It was a Frank's related one, so let's keep it from your memory. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take that. Um, I've just now done a killers related poll. 
To be to be fair, uh, Tallulah Bell has just made an excellent point. Like, think about this entire series. It started up out of a kiss. How did it end up like this? It was only a kiss. That actually sums up the vast majority of the show's events, especially from AJ's perspective. That's genius. I'll drink to that. You had a boyfriend that looked like a girlfriend that I had in Fairview <laughs> last year. Maybe well, that was in the that was the mental asylum escape. Yes. So it all fits. It all fucking fits. You could literally, you could write a review of Banana Fish that is entirely killer's lyrics. <laughs> Holy shit, that's incredible. That is incredible. Well, AG doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but he does talk like a gentleman. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, mm. this is this is a formative band for me. The Killers. And by the way, this is we should mention this is the title of the seventeenth Banana Fish episode. But uh, mm -hmm. the, this is like one of the first. Boy. Brandon Flowers sees the stream, he'll be mad. <laughs> this is one of the first. Their Hot Fuss is one of the first torrents I downloaded <laughs> as an album. That feels like a quite apt thing to do for the Killers because I remember, like, when they they were like becoming popular, I was starting to go out clubbing a fair bit because I just turned eighteen, mm -hmm. and all I could all I could fix myself looking back is, wow, this is the most generic paint by numbers shit ever. <laughs> That's really all that stuff reads as to me. Now, if you like The Killers, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you about that. That'd be crass and silly of me to do so. But all I can it think would. back is... I mean, all, I can, all I can think about looking back is like... You heard it everywhere and it's just... Yeah. Put some Bucky... Give me some Bowie. Give me some Bowie. That'll do. Uh, so I, I still have a lot of fondness for the old albums. Um, the first three in particular. And... Uh, Mr. Flowers, uh, I did buy the subsequent ones uh, as gifts for my for my wife. Uh, so, take that, RAA. Yeah. You know, yeah. So now. look, hey, piracy Pir led piracy <laughs> led to fucking sales. You dipshits. Oh, imagine <laughs> that. Who the fucking guy? Damn. But uh, mm. I mean, in fair, I I. I probably didn't have to download the torrent just because it, it and I didn't know it at the time, but it turned out. That uh, as you rightly point out, I mean it, that music was everywhere, like in stores, uh, on music videos on the ch precious few channels that still played music videos back then. Quoted uh, by people back on MSN when that was a social trend. On MSN. On MSN Messenger. I never used this. I always. I was an AIM person. I was an AIM person. Very old, but also not as old as you. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Because that was the thing I was into. Like, MSN. Okay, day, cool. Before we had Facebooks like talk mm -hmm. to people. Did you, they, consider, did you consider AIM like ancient or whatever? Or like things old people okay. used? Uh, we had AOL actually as a, our ISP back when you know we first had 56 bit. Uh, Bowden. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I have to say, even as a kid, I considered it to be shit back then. <laughs> oh, it was. Like, it was. But oh, I'm uh, even even ancient after I um yeah even after I upgraded to you know cable DSL whatever it was we got uh, after I still kept using the instant messenger client from AOL because it was just that good. <laughs> Mm, or I so I thought. ICQ for a time as well, would you believe? Oh, I remember a good old ICQ. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Right when I discovered that, I had also discovered uh, IRC. So I just uh, stuck with yes, IRC. I <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're we're being very old. We old, are grumpy, like nostalgic men for the times. Sorry, you know. <laughs> so like anyway, we should yeah, probably like a sort of uh, pre millennial and early millennial internet and its various uh, applications. This yeah, is, never this used is a the nice BBS, little trip. So thank God for that. I'm yeah, no, me neither. I never. I was never there. Uh, I wonder what happened to all my old internet friends. I wonder this all the time. Sometimes I wonder if like people on Anna Twitter like just have different screen names and were those those friends from the Otaku Vengeance IRC channel. Yeah. I'll never know. I could I could <laughs> spend probably an entire stream talking about the various communities I've been part of as far as various ventures, like the time I was in World of Warcraft, for example. Uh, but that was the defining thing I spent a lot of my spare time doing. Wow, right. Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean, that's where my handle comes from. So, hey, there you go. That's how long the lasting impact it's had. Like, I, my, um, my fondest slice of internet community from back then was probably the anime music video creators uh, little kind of alcove <laughs> that I was part of. Um, it wasn't a huge community back then, but it was, it was big enough to where, I mean, I by no means knew everybody, but there was a particular collective of them that call themselves otaku vengeance as i mentioned a second ago and they had a forum and uh just hanging out there getting to know creators that's where uh a uh, another creator sent me uh, a cracked wares copy of adobe premiere 5.1 where over (laughs) over instant messenger and so i too could make really shitty anime music videos well, and I have maybe, the, maybe. they're they're on a long lost CD uh, ROM, or I would totally <laughs> oh, post fuck. them for public consumption. And like, <laughs> maybe maybe this is time to re, you know re, go back to get you know honing that skill to make a the killers AMV for this particular episode. God, uh, it could be done. It, it could. could. Be done. Oh, I have yeah, I have the software and uh, and mm. such to to totally do it now to do a shitty job of it. I'm, I'm yeah, up to the I task. Uh, I still need to sorry. do my uh, AMV of um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds with Land of the Lustrous. <laughs> yes, yes. Because it really does I fit. I love it. Uh, mm. Sorry about your Neopets, Emily. <laughs> they don't stop. They become sentient. They're just taking over the dark web. It's so funny how like uh, technological generations sort of play out because Neopets was never a thing I was into and I felt like it was something that people younger than me were into. But I don't think we're that farther, like that far apart in in age. Just like how you and I have the split over messenger clients. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! But uh, all right. So banana fish. Should we get get back on track? Should we we... Sh- we should. This nostalgia, nostalgic that stuff is gone. All right. Let's, also, Doc's face is melting. Let's smile like we mean it. Let's <laughs> let's roll. Who says I don't? I I always do, especially when I've got a sign that you know. Sorry. A mug of beer in my. Mm. Save some face, you know. All right, I'm gonna stop. Uh, <laughs> I'll be here all night. Yeah. Okay. So, let us before we get to 17, let's revisit. Twitter poll. Twitter poll. Dun, 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 dun. Um. Well, I had them up, but then I created a new poll, and I scrolled up to do that. So I'm having to scroll down right now, and. 
eventually I will get to our polls from last week. Uh, both are landslide polls, and I'm glad of this. Um, did the special candy bar scene rule the hardest? 81% said, hi! 19% <laughs> said no, because I have no taste. It's fair of you to own up to it, 19%, and admit your faults. Uh, to answer your question that. by Laurie and Abby just joined us in chat, uh, you missed us reminiscing about the days in which 56 kilobit modems were all the rage, and you know, when AOL was something that you thought might actually be a good thing rather than a catastrophic error in judgment. Yeah. Yeah, old, yeah. old, like... More like America offline, am I right? <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Uh, would you believe I've never heard someone make that joke before? <laughs> It's true. God. Oh. Oh, you're killing me. Oh, sweet lord. Um yeah. Well, t- turn turn of the millennium internet history is all you missed. Uh poll the the second poll. Uh did you enjoy Max's slide down the stairs into dropkick? 93%, this might be our largest margin of victory ever, said it made me happy. As Set, it should do. Se- it was glorious. 7% said no, in all caps. <laughs> Who are you, 7%? Reveal yourselves now. Fucking Russian trolls again. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Is there nothing they will not ruin? Oh. See, your IP addresses are all hailing you- from Cyprus. Mira, are you going to dropkick them after sliding down at the stair rail, though? That's the key question. That's the thing. Oh, man. What good polls. We do a good show. I'm just going to just well, going to say it. Um, we do a show I like. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> uh, Alright. So, let's get on with it now. Let's go. Episode 17. Summary time. The Killers. Ash appears. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you the summary as I have it written directly in my notes. I'll try not to expound too much on these points. Oh, who am I kidding? I'm a long-winded jerk. I'll expound. Ash versus Singh. Why is Ash doing this? Excellent question. <laughs> I, I... Fucking hell. I literally said in the previous stream of Fallout Weedos, like, I'm so glad... I'm so glad that mm-hmm. Sing Suling is actually learning about the truth of Shorter's death. And that way it's not going to be a big deal like later. Like, you know, it's not going to be some sort of weird misunderstanding. And Ash is like, no, no, not what are you dipshits has learned the truth. You could all hate me and blame me for Shorter's death. Now I could speculate and say maybe he, you know, he still hasn't quite resolved that issue of himself about his guilt. You know, it was quite a complex situation, but, there is the practical element of the fact that people might try to kill him for this. You know? Yeah. Maybe you should yeah. want to get that out there. and then It's an important fact. Gills aside, I don't know. Um, but then again, I did find it appropriate that maybe Ash wasn't thinking straight, given he literally just got out of a mental asylum. So, you know, it well, is kind of fitting. Here's a, <laughs> here's a thought that I had. Um, 
so we we've seen this kind of thing in several different anime. I mean, I feel like I've been seeing it for a long, long time. Uh, this kind of reluctance to use information to correct someone who's setting out down possibly wrong path. And I'm going to play this card that seems like a cop-out, and if anyone has any information, uh, please tell me. But I'm, I'm just beginning to think that it may be something... Uh, something to do with kind of a philosophical, cultural kind of difference. Mm. Um, you know, maybe there's some sort of a deep uh, aversion. I know that the Japanese people are fond of indirect communication rather than direct mm-hmm. communication. Um, maybe there's some kind of aversion to alter someone's path once they've chosen it for themselves and set down set upon it like maybe there's not a like a lot of oh they're doing something wrong and i'm doing something right and maybe it's more like uh they have their path and i have mine and they've already set their mind to it and like but but Asia, you know i think to, to the way i of course and you like view the world he comes in and is like the one that makes the most sense and just says it hurts not to be told the truth and I feel like that's, I don't know, to my Western head, the simplest answer. And to, like, be, to be fair, though, there is a, there is a small moment later on in which Ash doesn't fully relay his feelings at the time, particularly on the subjects of his mother. AG two. So, yeah, yeah. So you know, as close as these two are, and as much shit as they've been through together, they've not yet quite, you know, become truly openly honest with each other. And one could even make the argument that there is not a single pair of people on the planet who are ever totally open with each other 100%. There yeah. are people always hide little things like, you know... I mean, I guess it's what do, what do you mean by open, right? I mean, I don't... Mm-hmm. I, I personally tend to think that, like... Uh, how do I put this? That it's actually kind of unhealthy not to leave... A, a part of yourself like even even if you're sharing your life with someone else if you have a life partner and you're you're open reciprocal communicating i think it's quite healthy for both of you to still have parts that are private um in terms of your your inner life from each other i think that that's it's how you attain your you, you keep your individuality and personhood you're not like just totally this nothing that's like poured out in someone else. You know what I mean? You still retain yourself and your sense of self. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes a good point. Um, if the, he did tell the truth to the others about what happened with Chaucer, then he would also have to explain what banana fish is. Now, I could make the counter argument that perhaps, you know, banana fish is not something that's easily within reach of like, you know, the regular Joes uh, that run in Nash's gang. But ultimately we could nitpick this all day and that's not really relevant versus the fact that ash is making that decision based on that logic which on the face value boy is right now seems quite reasonable less people that know about it at least in terms of you know of, of like the people he works with directly as opposed to the wider public probably for the better so yeah that's a very valid point yeah yeah um but i'm dumb ash you need to spell it out for me you're smart <laughs> 
you're the smartest one of all of us. So I need you to help me, the plebeian, understand your the motives of someone with over 200 IQ. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, in this episode, he does submit a dissertation. <laughs> ah, that's right. He does. <laughs> he does. Like, he submits a di- dissertation on the chemical structure of this drug. Mm-hmm. He's fucking 17. You the wrote this yourself? The only thing Why, he yes. should be interested in right now is, you know, what time does he get to play Fortnite with his friends? Or maybe that's just going too, you know, too old, funnily enough. And, uh, you know, what his next frat party's going to be. And yet, here he, and yet this wonder kid, again, because Ash is awesome, is like, well, I'll fucking figure this out myself by going to the library. Which, to be fair, yeah. is a lot more than a lot of university students do, so I suppose at least he's actually doing that part right. I mean, I've, I'll confess, I didn't go anywhere near as much to the library as I should have done when I was doing my psychology degree. Oh, same. Hard same. Uh, mm-hmm. I went quite a bit for my graduate philosophy, but again, I could have done more. Uh, not nearly enough in undergrad, I'll tell you that. You know, um, I wrote in undergrad that had nothing to do with undergrad. Novel. <laughs> Excellent. That was a productive way to spend my time. There you go. Uh, okay. Hug him back, I have. Each word is capitalized. Uh, slowly he does. He's coming back around to his... You know, he's, he's, he's thawing. Ash is thawing. He doesn't hug him in the beginning. He can't help it. Gotta hug him. Gotta hug him. We love the hugs. Pro, We're a pro-hug podcast. I would hug Shadon if I could. I'd hug all of you if I could. And I, Ash and AJ need to hug work. more. Um, Golzine sees Lee uh, sort of looking you know out of it PowerPoint oh my god this fucking PowerPoint <laughs> this is great <laughs> I was like, this is this is somehow better than that it's always sunny episode which I was like the conspiracy <laughs> like holy <laughs> I loved it I loved every second of it um, one small thing I want to note here, by the way, is that I love the camera work in this particular scene because this is just as a reminder. There was a scene in an earlier episode in which uh, Lu Young was actually tied up in bed, or rather in bed, naked for Golzine's pleasure at one point with AJ there as well. Yes. And now look how things have changed. Look who now <laughs> is actually calling the shots. Mm-hmm. And I love the severe and shallow camera angles of how it was leaning like down pan towards look young like with the table curved because of the of the angle it was at mm-hmm. it was very mm-hmm. imposing yeah so i loved how it, it even that helped build this little moment here of how okay yeah you had me at your mercy previously but now look who's calling the shots now look who's in charge so i really like that it's a small thing but i appreciate it it's symmetry um Okay, we have Ash telling Eiji it's better for me if you stay, which is a radical departure from his previous behavior. But the reason he gives is that he, of course, you know, uh, doesn't want to be consumed with worry for his his friend friend, uh, while he's away. Which is the biggest mm-hmm. load of bullshit ever. Um, or should I just say, the most incomplete answer. Why would you be so worried about him? 
because you love him. Tell him what he's watching on. Uh, yeah, he doesn't like come out and tell the whole truth. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. I have Big Mansion written here. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, that's in the margin <laughs> of my notes. Uh, is that is that your next uh, house buying you know thing? That's just my the name of my forthcoming uh, forthcoming EP indie rock EP Big Mansion. Um, Ag and Ash talk on the ferry. Um, oh, we skipped over a fair bit actually. Okay, because uh, we need to talk also about the uh, scene in which Yulong uh, then discusses his goals and his plans with Golzine and also reveals that he has probably a pretty intricate understanding of how banana fish was created tell me tell me about yeah it. so uh the reason that uh Ute long decides to bring golzine around for a good old you know afternoon powerpoint session <laughs> is that he under- he's basically researched and understands the conspiracy of behind the corsican foundation and banana fish pretty intimately now he- he's done his homework and mm-hmm. if that's the theme of this entire show it's do your research kids that's right you will be re- yeah if you do your homework properly and cite your sources correctly you know not only will it get you a good, you know, GPA, was it grade point average, uh-huh, GPA? Uh-huh, GPA? Not only will it get you that, but it could also actually get you out of a bind with hardened criminals. Yeah, you'll you'll rise so, you'll rise fast in the underworld if you do your research. Yeah. So, Yutlung has a, has a deal to offer goals in, which is that he will help deal with, you know, action <laughs> game out of the picture in exchange for something. And what is that? Fratricide killing every single member of his family and his bloodline. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. The husbands, the wives, the children, even the dogs, the fucking pet lizards, you know, the one with the fucking canary. All of it's going. Every single one of them gets butchered, because Golzine's got the men to do it. Um, and that's the deal. And, wouldn't you know, that's actually what happens later in the episode. At least we get the hint of it's I mean, underway. what a disappointment. <laughs> I thought like... They were talking about poison in their garden later. Uh, I don't know. Like, is... Were you expecting him to handle it alone just by, you know, his usual subterfuge? Not, not, not Dino himself, but I just... But, I, I mean, did you think Luke Lung was going to be doing that? To his family? Uh, no, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess... So my question is, like... Why bring in the Golzine uh, organization to do this if all they're going to do is kick a door down and shoot them with Tommy guns? Like, anybody can do that. Yulun can do that. That's not... It just seems nice. inelegant. I, I, I and, and uh, like, they just... There's got to be something more, like, something... I mean, I know seeing them dead is, like, his reason for being, but, like, it just doesn't... doesn't feel very satisfying to me i don't know well i've got i've got two like spontaneous explanations i can offer the first one is just more a practical one which is that if you know he poisoned them like the cops they do postmortem they think to themselves okay who could have poisoned who had access why would they do that you know but if he just gets literally a group of people to burst in and shoot them they're all all the cops and such are gonna look at him and think nah, i can't He's only a young lad. He's very effeminate. He's not, you know, he's not going to do any of that sort of stuff. Just it deflects the blame away from him. It makes it look like a bit of a smokescreen kind. Of. I guess 
They don't even um, know. He, there's no record of him. They don't even know who, like, he doesn't exist. Well, they would at least be aware of him seeing him around. Uh, but the other reason I would add, and this could be possibly a story development for later, is that maybe he ultimately couldn't do it himself. He had to abdicate the responsibility to someone else to be the trigger man. He could order them someone to do it. We couldn't actually kill his brothers himself. I mean, yeah, he did, of course, you know, poison one with banana fish, certainly. But the outright acts of killing yeah, them... he's going to keep them alive. So. Maybe maybe he couldn't actually bring himself to doing that. Maybe there's just that tiny fragment of humanity that stops him from doing it. Hmm. That would say? be interesting. Mm-hmm. That would I mean, be interesting. Bear, bear in mind what he said to Eiji, like, you won't dirty your hands, you won't do that. But the thing about Yulung is that a lot of the stuff that he, I, I've noticed, tends to spot in other people that he feels is threatening. He also seems to admire. He's very dual-minded about this. Mm -hmm. the movie, insert your own thing. There you go. <laughs> um, By the way, if you think my phases in the moon thing was off-kill, off we actually get a confirmation, uh, which I should have looked up, about the meaning behind Ash's name. Oh, the so, I mean, obviously we've had yeah. Uh, well, Aslan as well, the Hebrew word for dawn. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. so oh, there you go. Good. So not only so not so not only is the show like building like its own kind of uh, motifs around animals, the links, uh, Su Ling having the monkey on his jacket, uh, you won't probably dragon. mistake of something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That kind of, and the dragon as well. Uh, then there's also the celestial elements to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. After all, a moon can only shine to prominence in the light of the sun. That's the only reason we see it. It's true. The light is not is not. Products of the moon itself. Mm -hmm. So there you go. There you go. Um, so after uh, after the the bargain is struck, uh, we have Ash and Aji talking on a ferry. Um, mm -hmm. Hello, Jeff. Uh, I've not seen you before on the channel, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, and let's see. So they have this discussion about Ash's mother, mm -hmm. right? And uh, A.G. says, well, your mom, uh, you know, she must have loved you. Um, she ensured that you got adopted, I guess, or whatever. And Ash starts to say, then why? But he stops himself short. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, just have one thing I want to add. oof in my notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's still a sore spot that he's not willing to quite let, you know, get out and air out just yet. One thing I want to say about the scene that made me chuckle is that they make a reference to Stephen King novels as being very yes. kind of like, you know, descriptive of rural environments in America, they do. Uh, rural communities, <laughs> which is accurate. New York, L.A., Stephen King. Big <laughs> fuck all in between, yeah. <laughs> but for me, like, having actually read Carrie at the very least, mm -hmm. like, if there's one thing you know Stephen King books are, they're not travel logs. <laughs> you know, they're usually about fucks up shit happening. Yes. Hey, that's it. Yeah, right. Oh, right. I mean, I suppose it would be fair in Ash's character that he might not want to bring up such things as Pennywise, given his previous, you know, fear of pumpkins and shit. He's obviously got a kind of a thing against the supernatural. That's true. Mm -hmm. He also has a very deep uh, and mostly correct sense of intuition. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he relies on this to abort the meeting that he was going to have with Max um, because something's off he senses like in the air um, mm -hmm. on a molecular level I suppose uh, so 
and he he shares information with uh, Max over the phone that seems to contradict the Dawson story of engineering it in a lab from scratch, uh, that it's not entirely chemical, that there are these hallucinogenic plants that banana fish seems to have been uh, drawn from. Mm -hmm. And I forget. So how does he come to this conclusion? I guess just reading the books um, Mm -hmm. and the research he he did in the library. He just just researched it. To be fair, this was kind of established with the young scene, which he also said, like, you know, here's this plant. Exactly. Um, The greenhouse. So so they kind of they kind of did a primer of that. Um, So I quite I I like I appreciate that for that setup there. Uh, If anything, again, it's to kind of drive home the parallel between the two characters is that yeah. For all their different worldviews and their kind of rival going, they both are very on the level with doing their taking their own angles towards. Yeah, they both they both come shit. to the same conclusions in different ways, mm-hmm. um, or different. Maybe not, maybe not different ways. Like they use similar means, but just a different mm-hmm. locate. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, yeah. um, uh, oh my god, um. I can't remember why there's a corpse on screen after this, but like at some point they do a transition from a corpse to like an enchilada and it's like the grossest thing I've ever seen. It made me throw up in my mouth and Mm -hmm. need to take it. was awful. And I've seen a lot of gory shit in my day. I just just looked at that that screenshot and I was like, I can't tell which of the two of them is more exhausted. He's look younger, his brother more tired. They both look like they're just really knackered. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But God, that like the 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 corpse and the blood fading into that enchilada with the sets. Oh, and they oh oh, it was terrible, terrible. Maybe it's meant to be a metaphor <sighs> or an allegory for because um, this is a kippered, isn't it? Santa kippered. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's meant to be an allegory for how he consumes people and how he's going to, you know, a kind of t- tie into him having blood on his hands. With all oh, sure. Done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. It was just disgusting. <laughs> um, but, hey, I mean, you've achieved your aims. So good on you. Uh, yeah. To be fair, his brother was, oh, an he wasn't actually. <laughs> to, to be fair, his brother, like, he wasn't actually, you know, dying. He'd just been out doing ketchup sales that day. Just have some samples on it. Um, oh my god, this fucking like <laughs> I died, like, and this show it really did. I feel like lean into the action movie trappings when you know from the rubble of all the the dead uh, politicians emerges. The Lee family. Uh, the 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 Leaf uh, person, Hua, Hua, is it Hua Ling, that's gonna or Hua Li, that's gonna be the next candidate for president. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. This is the thing. Like this is what, always what the the villains are after in these movies. Oh I wait, feel holy like. shit! That just made me realize: could Banana Fish potentially be the prequel to the Manchurian Candidate? <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's no question. Fuck you, busted that shit up for you right then. <laughs> Oh my god, and I don't know why it just made me. It just felt, uh, yeah, for some reason it felt very action movie ish. You know, like dude is killing presidential candidates so he can be the presidential candidate. Um, 
so uh also um there's a scene here uh later when uh max and ash are talking uh and ash says you know i'll that he'll strangle kippard max says Mm -hmm. nothing max just lets it go like he's totally cool with it I think in this place, just realize that he could protest against Ash doing stuff, and it's not going to. Like, you can't stop Ash doing it from wherever he is. I suppose it's kind of moot, voicing it. I mean, there is also the joke with the uh, AG, uh, you, you know, <laughs> when he says, like, like oh, I'm going prostitutes. He's like, oh, that's nice, honey. Bye. <laughs> like, in the same way that, in the same way that, you know, <laughs> you say that to your kids, like, you know, I'm I'm okay, Mom. I'm going out for a while. I'm going drinky by. Like that's nice, honey. Enjoy. Yeah, I'll strangle with my own hands. Well, mm. let's talk more about. The, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's just hoping you'll forget about it. But it just seems irresponsible because you know Ash is not gonna forget about it. He's gonna kill people. He's done it before. He'll easily do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that very amusing. Uh, can do you mind do me a favor, Shadon, and looking up whether or not uh, that Lee is going to inf- it, it was in fact running for U.S. president, or if there's if I fuck that up. Uh, um, to to no. Bell, uh I read it as something different. So, um, well, I'm actually at the. Uh, let's see. While you while you do that, I'll, I'll... no, I can tell I can tell you actually because oh, okay. I've actually got the episode playing right now. Yeah, uh, on the news ticker, mm-hmm. uh, it says the sudden death of its president Lee Wanlong. So it can't obviously Lee Wanlong is obviously oh, not the current president. I yeah so no okay my fault that's my bad. The president of the bank. okay my bad not as funny now. Uh, I guess they are reporting uh, on you know whatever like fucking front of a business that they're using thank you thank you apps network <laughs> yes or, by or the way big abs. Can, I just, can i just mention we also got our windows analog which was called Foursquare. that was in like the scene in the library which was just magnificent Mwah, chef's kiss Foursquare for a fucking name of a windows os replacement that's amazing that was good that was extremely good um there i, I think for was it called Foursquare? Because there's an actual app called Foursquare that's used to, like, basically, uh, I think it's got, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Geolocation and shit, where you basically sign in and you tell the, you know, world, so-and-so has just, you know, arrived in this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Foursquare was. I don't think anybody uses it anymore. Uh, and yeah, yeah no, well, Jeff... Jeff uh, totally, you know, po- points out like the the correction, like echoes the correction you just made that, uh, you know, uh, that they and and it, I actually didn't know that what they the company that they ran was a bank. So yeah, Yu Lung obviously is pushing for his the one brother he's going to keep alive, Huali, mm-hmm. to run things uh, in a in a public fashion to be the the figurehead, the face. While Yutlung maintains everything for realsies uh, in oh, the shadows, I want to imagine what those stockholders' conferences are going to be like. 
And I figured so, that was uh, the... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to imagine what those stockholders' conferences are like, you know, <laughs> with his brother there. It's like, so what, what's your investment plan for the year? Just... Fantastic. <laughs> Beautiful. So sticking with it as is. He's our Great. best leader ever. Best, best <laughs> company yet ever. Yeah. Say a fucking uh, word. No, and I thought I I figured that was the the you know puppet and puppeteer, like that's obvious that's the, the nature of their relationship at this point now that he's been banana fished, um, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I was just mistaken about the the <clears throat> president of what uh, that was my fault for not reading carefully. Mm. Um, okay, so um, Ash though is. He's having a bit of a crisis, and this really... I, don't, I, I like the fact that this scenario he's kind of in right now is really rocking him, that uh, he's sort of lived by his uh, trusting his intuition, his instincts. They have not let him down heretofore, and he's leaned on them to get around and get by and size up different situations and always make the most prudent choices for his survival, but it's failing him now uh for whatever reason he i wish this was more concrete though because him sensing someone being there but then they're not there <laughs> then, but then nothing really happened and yet somehow he has this pre-natural sense that this is worse than usual worse than the times in which he's encountered people who might have followed him previously like he doesn't ever explain <clears throat> why this person following him in, in concrete terms size why this person following him is more dangerous than any other run-of-the-mill person that might have tried to come after him i mean he doesn't coach in terms right. like with arthur for example i suppose like um, imagine <clears throat> imagine he can rely on this as you and i can rely on any of our other five senses and then to just to discover that i mean i don't even know if he knows someone is following him for sure i think he just knows like that his sort of electromagnetic sixth sense radar like whatever it is is no longer functioning 100 percent reliably and he's scared mm. um and that's you know i think that's understandable that that would freak him out um i get that but to me it feels kind of very in there to make make it be a setup for the new character that comes in to mm -hmm. point out he's bad news i'm like okay but could we not do some more concrete way than simply having some sort of like you know psychic influence on Ash or whatever it is that just makes him freak out. Oh, what's what's? Oh yeah. Like, so was did you, so it wasn't. Um, I think that they. I I read it as not psychic influence. I read it as um. Oh, I'm not. I'm not talking like later, literally but... like that. I'm not talking literally like psychics. Okay. I'm just saying that it came across as very abstract for me. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And I yeah, I see that. I think, and I think as well because we did actually see hints of this person being there it might have been better if we didn't see any hints of them at all. And then, you know, maybe Ash is getting paranoid a little bit, you know, maybe there is, maybe his concerns might be a little unfounded. So that's but what no, I he, thought was is, happening. Well, no, there was, just, there were like insert in shots of the gentleman question walking away at various points, mm. which Ash never ran actually finds. So I'm thinking, yeah, he never sees that. Cut, if they just cut those bits, those little shots out entirely, because mm -hmm. now that age is back with him, obviously his concern is heightened. And maybe he's been over-sexive, over-worrying, he's off guard because Aegis with him, something like that. That's interesting. Something about it, something about this just rung very, very false to me. Mm. Because this new character that's coming in now, people warn me about this, ahead of, or rather advise me of this ahead of time. And 
I tend to have a kind of concern about characters being introduced in the 11th hour in any given story. Usually you should get your players on stage really early on. Um, now I understand, of course, the banana fish ran for a long time and ran in various chapters, so it was had more license to, you know, bringing characters over time. But in the show, bringing this character in as a challenger to Ash again, I think, speaks to the grand problem of the show that I've addressed before, which is that he's too good. So we, since the existing cast members aren't good enough to deal with him, we have to bring in someone new, and we have to establish immediately why he's a problem, even if it's in a way that feels very abstract, like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Um, I think you're just biased, though, because you don't know what it's like to lose your sixth sense. So I think that's what's happening. Oh, well, my well, my sixth sense is, you know, um, how, how best to mash out in Guilty Gear. Um, yeah, I mean, what if, you, what if that left you? Has... What if that left you? It, it, it probably have actually meant I won more games, to be honest. So there is that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'll, we'll go into more in the character yeah. um, later because there is one well, particular line not, I picked out. Not much later. <laughs> like we'll do, we can talk about it now, really, because the next thing yeah. in my notes is Blanca. Uh, Sadly, not green. A green man that, with uh, <laughs> the red chest hair, and mm-hmm. uh, we don't get to hear every time he's on screen. The uh... I've, I'm so sad, by the way, that Blanca's introduction was not set to like moody jazz. And he's not just there smoking a cigarette, like... Uh-huh. Cold nighting. I sensed the lynx was out there. <laughs> Is it just because of the outfit? <laughs> well, I, there's something very film noir about his design that I actually it's really true. like. Yeah. I'm just so sad it wasn't accompanied by, like... Big game. Big city. <laughs> big game. <laughs> <laughs> big city. <laughs> Oh man! And here I was, here I was, just wanting someone to say Brazil and have a little plane fly across the screen. I just really, really, no, no. If 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 Blanca was to arrive in the show, he should have traveled by map. There should have been like a scene of like the dot traveling from Brazil to New York. I agree. (laughs) I hundred percent agree. And when he (laughs) and when he walks around, he's got a tiptoe around like Blanca's walking animation. It must be. Yeah, um, more film noir though. It does. I mean, everything does. To be fair, so this is true. He talks to Dino, right? Clearly, you know, you Dino approaches him, or he approaches Dino. They know each other, uh, and he says that he initially came to decline his offer. Apparently, he was in retirement, drowning in a pile of books or something. Um, mm-hmm. Dino's surprised he came. Says like, I just you know initially came to like, you know, decline your offer. But boy, can I, can I see how much I'd have loved it if he actually said I'm declining your offer and he never appeared in the show again? That'd be amazing. That'd, That'd be, be fucking, fucking great. That'd be great. Um, that trench coat is boss to Louisville. Yeah. Um, oh, one other thing. One other thing. So earlier in the episode, Dino is actually talking on the phone to someone saying, "I've got the perfect man for the job." As he's saying this, the camera cuts to the right and we see a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. It has a trilby hat on the label. Yeah. Which is what he wears. I'm yeah. like, that is, oh, what a, that was incredible. That was fucking brilliant. What do I even say to that? <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, he made me think of, I know people talk about Kimberly from Full Metal Alchemist. He made me think of the uh, immortal guy from Giant Robo who wears the pink trench coat. 
Um, yeah, I think he's originally well, from Tetsujin Twenty Eight, but uh, well, to be to be fair to Blanco, like you know, I mean, if anyone is going to take down Ash Links, it's probably the guy who recovered the Maltese Falcon. <sighs> this is good. This is good. I'm sorry. I pause. I'm not yawning at your joke. I'm just sleepy. <laughs> it's a funny joke. Um, the multi. There's not enough Maltese Falcon humor uh, on YouTube, so I'm I'm happy to add to. I'm, do, I'm doing my part. Yes, to doing add to that part. repository. But you know, Blanca, he says like, look, uh, I'm actually really interested now in the subject in the child. Uh, you know, so I'm going to take your offer, and. Um, the child did not recognize Blanca, even though it turns out he's the one who taught him everything he knows. This was something uh, that threw me off a little bit. I like, wasn't so how big is his IQ? It's over nine. It's over nine. Yeah, thank you. Waiting on that. Uh, check. Uh, Boy. Uh, yeah. Well, and then he reveals this because Ash is, um, you know, using his uh, sexual charms and and uh, ways to get into the bedroom of uh, Mister Kipado, uh, and that that's a that's where like so in my notes I have how did he not recognize him right I mean you'd feel like Kipper spent so much time trying to kill this kid that they would have a picture of him in the meeting but apparently not. Um, there are two reasons, two reasons, or two explanations. One, he was Clark Kenting. It runs right, on they, super the glasses. Logic. Yeah. So but he took him off. Here. I mean, he took him off well, after he came in the house. I guess at that point, well, he's just well, too at horny. At that point, all the blood had rushed out of Kipper's head no. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, second reason, if there's one thing I've learned in this show, is that everyone's horny for Ash all the time. Yep. And that all logic, checks, concerns, they go out the window. I mean, Kipper should have been like, wait a minute. You're not the person I asked for. I don't give two rat shits whether or not you know you're there in his stead, or how good you are, or you know yeah. anything. Get the fuck out. He's like, nah, nope. Too stupid to live, as it turns out. Taught you everything you know, but not everything I know, says Emily. That's correct. That's always the way. Mm-hmm. Got to keep back a few of the secrets, uh, as we talked about any re- healthy relationship. Um, so. Ash is in the middle of blackmailing Kippard to get some information. What information was he trying to cajole out of him? Do, do you uh, remember the, the identity? The identity of the person who is at the top of the conspiracy. Okay, who's so who's yeah? Kippard Golsey. Uh, to answer your question, Mira, I don't think that Dino saw him everything, but I was under the impression that he put him in contact with various individuals um, who obviously honed him and taught him all the skills that he has. So I got the impression that it was either, you know, combination of Dino teaching, like probably the, you know, the etiquette and protocol related stuff with the wine and whatnot. And of course he had the actual marksman teaching that stuff. Well, the way this phrase to me, um, Blanca is like, well, I taught him everything he knows. I'm like, really? This is out of nowhere. Anyway. So I, I thought he learned it all from Arthur and then just surpassed him. Uh, oh, I don't, take no, 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 no! I'm kidding. No. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I actually like. Uh, I just didn't think about it, to be quite honest with you. I just kind of took Dino's words at face value and was it's like, "Yeah, nice. sure, file that away for later. Move on with the story." Um, but I'm uh, theoretically. I mean, I'm joking about it or whatever. I'm, I'm fine with like there being a master killer or whatever. 
Um, that's that's totally fine. Uh, hi, Blue Sea. Um, uh, yeah. So he's trying uh, Ash is to uh, extract the information, uh, and then uh, as he's about to, uh, for, you know, right at that moment for supreme dramatic effect, Kipper is sniped from what seems to be an impossible distance away by uh, the aforementioned Blanca. Blanca. Blanca Blanca. Um, Are you drawing a blanker on it? Indeed. Um, you've thrown Sorry. me. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> and and I, this, yeah, this is all during the credits, I think, and this is where he, he says, you know, I taught that kid everything he knows. Um, so... Yeah, we're we're left at the end of the episode with uh, a new rival for Ash to tangle with. Um, you know, Dino and Yutlung apparently were not uh, were not enough, uh, or, or the author didn't want to push those yet, or wasn't happy with the scenarios that either one presented as. I mean, to be fair, like he's kind of already thwarted plenty of Dino's schemes. So, mm-hmm. uh, and was it Dino or Yutlung that sent the killer after him in the hospital? It had to be Yutlung because Dino doesn't actually want to kill him. Um, the the nurse or whatever that tried to I put the no, drug in his no, arm. It, no, I think it was um, either Kippard or the general guy. Oh no, yeah, that's right. That was yeah, you're right. It was those. It was those people. Um, so that doesn't them count. Dudes. Uh, them, them dudes. Yes, the committee of them dudes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, look, that was the episode, uh, and we're gonna, I guess, get into a few more talking points about it. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're gonna take a small break. Um, mm-hmm. Gonna mute me, Mike, and see you guys on the other side.
Hello, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and NBs. We are back. Uh, thanks Indeed. for sticking with us for a couple minutes during that break. So, talking points. Um, Shadon, uh, why don't you go first? Right, okay. <clears throat> so, this is one I had been planning to save until the end of the series, but I think it's probably about time I threw it in now. Uh, you know what it is. So let's talk about. Yep. Talk about that particular subject matter. Uh, specifically, I'm talking about it in how it's utilized in a race. Wait a minute. I'm... What are we talking about? Rape. Oh, the RO. Uh, okay. Rape. Okay. okay. Right. So <sighs> the, reason bring... the reason I'm bringing this particular topic up is because I've seen it discussed recently in terms of another show that shall not be named because it's such balls. Um, and I've been just having a think recently about how you utilize that subject matter in fiction. Because it's not something you can treat lightly. It's we're, talk we're talking can... about this because it's ever-present in Banana Fish. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Because um, to be honest, this episode has let me kind of lie on some points. Again, it feels very functional. We mm. did get some bits and bobs here and there that have established more points about the characters, such as Ash's mother, but have to save those for later. For the most part, um, it's really more again about Utlung and uh, Ash's dichotomy. Uh, they're all progressing their own plans. We've got the introduction of Blanca, which is it's fine, but I do have issues in the fact that it just seems like they're putting it in there to give Ash a genuine threat at, at this late hour, but that's not a function of the problem. I so why I bring this up? Here's the thing, right? To me, point rape in fiction is like preparing fugu, which is the Japanese blowfish, you know, meal. You know, you can prepare it right, you do it properly, and it's fine. But otherwise, it's absolute poison for you. It mm. ruins it. It's not something you can treat lightly. It's not something you can just throw in to motivate a character, especially if they're not the victim. So here's the thing, right? I am of the opinion that I think Banana Fish would be better off if Goldstein had never actually raped Ash in the first place or even sexually abused him. And I'll tell you why I think that is, because... All throughout this show, since we learned that fact, Golzine's had his own stuff going on, and we've had moments where they've tried to put him on the right side of things, quote unquote, like with Baron von Russian. But every time that happens, I'm like, no, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. You're a one dimensional piece of shit who rapes children. Fuck off. 
I've got no interest in hearing anything about you as right. a character. He's not an interesting villain. I mean, yes, he has harmed Ash deeply, and the thing is, I would be okay with it if Ash, um, his trauma from that was then developed along the lines of how he interacts with Aegis, but the show is mm -hmm. not interested in that. The material's right. not interested in that. It's not willing to go mm. into the sexual side of things. So we've got kind of a catch-22 here, where it'd be fine if it did that, but it doesn't, so why is it there? Because well, maybe the, maybe the not maybe the not going into that side of things is is the position that they're taking, right? What do, what do you mean by that? Well, is it, I think we've mentioned it before. that um, Because it, cause it propositions that the healthy relationship is one that isn't sexual? Yeah, that it's... Um, well, maybe, not, maybe they're not saying all healthy relationships, but they're putting this kind of platonic love on the plane of the ideal and as contrasted with all the other filthy shit. Okay. Which is, a, you know, that... not, not a, not a point of view that I particularly like, but maybe that's, um, you know, maybe they are dealing, maybe that's the dealing with it. Uh, I don't know. Yes. But the problem is that the characters don't ever speak like Ash doesn't speak about why he keeps AG at the length he does. Because of that, it's just a thing that is. Read between the pumpkins. Yeah, I, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I'm but, kidding. I'm but, kidding. But the thing is, as well, is you can't make light of this sort of stuff. Like, you know, it's something that you, we would expect in fiction to be talked about and developed, you know, for it to be quite raw. Mm -hmm. But it kind of has just been a background element. So the reason this I've also thought of this is I was watching Believe It or Not JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 recently. Oh, I can believe and, it. Oh, you can believe it. So, uh, Jono in that show, like in the very first episode, notes how there was a gangster who actually uh, looked after him. But he was a gangster. He was still a criminal. And that made me think, this show might have been better off for it if Golzine had never done that to Ash specifically. Maybe he had did it, done it to other kids or people, but not him. And then there could be some kind of conflicts involved in there in like, okay, this is my mentor, my, you know, steward. He has looks after me. He's raised me. He's okay yeah he's got me involved in criminal shit fine but he's never actually actively harmed me or hurt me not like the baseball coach guy who we might remember from the episode in Cape Cod so I remember unfortunately no, yeah yeah. I mean I'm not going to pretend that the way that, that Ash's trauma has been portrayed the way he's been hurt has not been compelling to watch has not made yeah. me feel oh, yeah. a response to it it absolutely has mm -hmm. but that's been it uh, and its functioning here is to make Galzine to be a bastard. But the thing is, to me, the most, the strongest way in which he proved he was a bastard beyond that was with what he did to Shorter. That was very personal. That was very effective. He was a character that we, the audience, knew. And we got to see him twisted and, you know, set loose like a wild animal firsthand. It broke my heart to watch that. Mm -hmm. So you don't need that in there. And. I think it's one of those things where I think, like, Banana Fish being a product of its time, I can understand maybe they didn't want to go into the sexual side of things because that was not a thing that was done at the time. It was sufficient for the time, maybe you might want to argue, but it isn't anymore. I mean, I've heard that argument bandied about, say, for example, Steins Gate and how it treats trans issues. Mm. At the time, it might have been viewed as a good or at least a progressive thing, but is now wholly ins insufficient. 
-hmm. not ill natured certainly but it's just not enough not even remotely yeah and i think that might speak to one of the things about the adaptation that i'm finding to be problematic in that they have clearly taken the time to update the context like cell phones social media in fact it's 2012 a year Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff but what we're not seeing is an update of the sensibilities. And I don't think it would be against the spirit of the work for it to tackle that particular material with Ash and Asia. Now, I will stress, by the way, that I, while I am of the opinion that you have to present rape in a very particular way in fiction in order for it to not basically trash your work, A, it doesn't do that with Banana Fish because it is still very much about Ash's plight. That's the main thing. The focus should always be on the victim and what they do right. to recover from at least in my opinion. And it is to an extent. She's more than I can say for a lot of other shows where they've had that happen, where it's just been because bad guy is bad, because the writers are unimaginative. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, using it casually speaks to me of being very unimaginative about how you handle what happens to um, particularly female characters. Um, not, of course, again, that doesn't happen to men, as it does in this show. Right. But that's one thing. Um, I think that also, I should point out that I'm not in any position to state on behalf of anyone else how rape should be trained. That's just my perspective. I kind of just have a very distasteful reaction to it. And I, have, I had similar feelings towards Gunbuster when they had that attempted rape scene. I was like, why is that here? Why could Diebuster. <laughs> Sorry, Diebuster, you're right. Where we had that went too far. In Berserk's case, I was okay with it because it firstly wasn't front-loaded. It was kind of the end point of a long fall of, from grace for a character that while I absolutely and unequivocally morally and ethically did not agree with, I could at least understand how they came to that point. Uh, that being Griffith, of course. But I don't think that Banana Fish handles the subject matter well because it treats it as a background element to Ash's trauma, to what's happened to him but then isn't either A, willing to show us it's only told about. And maybe that's fine. Maybe it is something that can only be told. Maybe it's more accurate. But secondly, it doesn't then actually then deal with the healing from that. Or like the issues it would obviously cause a person to have with intimacy, with relationships. I mean, we got a tiny touch of that in this episode, to be fair, with the hook. Right. But I think that maybe one of the things that this adaptation should have done was taking greater strides in perhaps updating it for more modern sensibilities and being more in depth with that subject matter to at least justify why Golzine does that as far as a narrative is concerned. Because otherwise you could inject it entirely and it would actually make the show more complex as a result because I would at least look at Golzine and not immediately think, fuck you, Chrome Dome. So... <laughs> Chrome Dome. He's in the, yeah. the Ninja Turtles insults. <laughs> I love it. But, like, I mean, he he would still be, you know, fuck you-able because he turned a, a boy into a hardened criminal. I mean, that's yes, pretty heinous, yeah, you know. That, that, but that's, that speaks to my perspective on using rape as a thing in fiction because it, to me, smacks usually of being very lazy as far as writing is concerned. Now, I stress I'm not thinking that in the case of Banana Fish. But there have been a lot of works, not just Japanese, but Western as well over the years, where rape happens to someone and it's used mainly because the writers don't have the intelligence or the imagination to think of something else. They just go straight for what's the most awful thing I know of that happens to women? Rape. Yeah. And so you know, and to your point, you know, by not adequately depicting the fallout, they don't really understand 
how painful and traumatic it is. They have this yeah. very cursory at a distance kind of knowledge. Yeah. Um, to be fair, neither do I. I'm not pretending to know any more than anyone else on this. But I just think, well, it, like but, I said, well, by I mean, that, I mean, I mean but I, I, I'm not saying that you have to have experiential knowledge of it to write about it. I just mean, I, I think, I think you can gain a lot from reading and talking to people about it and, and yeah. studies and, you know, there's insight and there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, behavior and psychology that you can read about mm. that, that would occur. For sure. For sure. Do you, that's the do you think, I, um, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that's the reason I made the Fugu analogy before, mm. funnily enough. Mm -hmm. It's about the closest thing I could think of is in terms of like how precise you have to be skate right, how thoughtful you have to be of it. In Banana Fish's case, I would say it's kind of there. It's not fatal. But the more I thought about it as time has gone by, the more I realized it doesn't actually help Galzine's complexity as a villain at all. It actually makes him less complex. I understand that he obviously has this complicated relationship to Ash as a result. But because Ash is not, you know, just going into depth on the trauma side of it, it doesn't really justify its presence, in my opinion, versus taking it out and having that conflict that would develop that, like, well, I know he's doing all this awful shit to people, and yes, he did that to Shaw, but he has also sheltered me and looks after me all the time. I'm not saying we should necessarily humanize him, of course, but I'm just saying that you could have that dichotomy like there was in that very brief insert in JoJo's Part 5 episode one. There are different ways you could do this, essentially, that I think would be for the betterment, depending either way of the show. Do, let me ask you a question. Do you think showing Ash as a survivor, um, as someone who has hardened himself or, or built himself up to be not only someone who functions and is competent, in his world but like uh at the pinnacle of his of his world basically like do you think that that is in some way um uh a sort of positive thing that 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 they're doing here that like you know he's he's been violated in this way like he's been dehumanized in this way but it's not stopped him from achieving and I know his life, you know, I mean, I don't want to say leading a full life or being happy because he's not any of those things. Um, mm -hmm. And that has a lot to do with it. But boy, I don't know. As I make the argument out loud, it sounds a little hollow, but I don't know. Maybe it maybe it holds some water. Well, to, well, to go one thing, what you said there, he is very much also in control of his own sexuality, using it for his own ends, such as he did with Kip, Kippard in this episode. Right. That's certainly a thing. Um, but I think that, you know... Given that the relationship yeah, is back. like you know the one of the biggest attractions of this particular work, I think that the adaptation would have benefited immensely from actually delving into more detail on, them, rather than leaving it in its very 1980s sensibilities as it originally was. I don't think because mm. the thing is like for adaptation. When you do adaptation, I'm of the opinion you can and should take creative liberties with it as long as it remains true to the spirit of the work in question. Now, that's my perspective, and there will always yeah. be people who think it should be a very pure thing. It should be as close to one-to-one -one as possible. Or conversely, my people who fly in the other way think, no, 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 do whatever you want. And for me, 
keeping it to the spirit of the work, I think, is important. I think that the entire show's arc for Ash is him getting out of this situation, out of this trap he's in. Uh, mm-hmm. He describes himself as the Lynx. He mentions the Kilimanjaro stuff. He wants to go back to a natural environment in which he can truly be free. And that, I think, is a fine arc. I think it's been fantastic, absolutely. But I also think it's been incomplete versus the various bits and bobs we've had about Golzeed and his past, uh, you know, with his sexual abuse. I don't think it goes far enough. I think it. I think it's holding the show back from being truly a masterpiece in my along with, ironically, the Ash is too good at everything problem. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said about Blanca. Like, Blanca to me, I, I'm curious to see, like, what happens next with Blanca. But I am also very much of the opinion that the reason I brought up the, you know, Dino Sorrow knows, and that's why it surprised me, is because that forms again part of the relationship conflict between the two. Like Dino said so many times, I've given him everything. Why is he not grateful to me? Why is he not under my thumb? Why is he not following me? Hmm. And if that had a half truth to it, which would be, I mean, I'm obviously not expecting Golzee to be the one teaching Ash how to do things like knife fight. That's ridiculous. <laughs> He's not big fucking boss. Let's put it that way. Not Get over here. Something. Bring your switchblade. I, <laughs> I get that. But I think that Blanca, Blanca's introduction actually weakens the show a little bit because it feels like a confession that we need to have an antagonist that can fight Ash on an even keel. But it then takes away some of the relationship between Golzine and Ash that actually works really well, which is Golzine's misguided understanding of, you know, what is owed. I mean, interesting, random comparison here, but let me throw it out. Who here has watched... Uh, the various Guardian of the Galaxy movies and also Infinity War. Not I. Sorry. Okay. So, Thanos, right? Big purple space monster. Mm-hmm. He's called the Grimace. He looks like a giant purple ball sack, and he's got the Infinity Gauntlet that can wipe half of you. Blah, 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 blah. He has an adopted daughter named Gamora, and he raises her to be one of the best assassins in the galaxy. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yes. I do. Yeah. And he actually says in Infinity War... I raise you to be the most feared woman in the galaxy. And Gamora's response is basically, it wasn't worth it. You tortured me and my adopted sister. So that, to me, gave that film, simple as otherwise was, a bit more nuanced to its relationships. So having Blanca come in and be like the person who right. actually takes credit, takes credit for it in particular, I think weakens that element of Golzi and Ash's relationship that does work. Yeah, I mean, okay, so a few points on that is um, I, I really like the theme of what do children owe their parents. Mm. Um, that is yes. extremely resonant. Is... And I think it sounds like it works in the Avengers movies quite well. Um, but man, you just... It's really hard to see Dino as that for Ash. So it's, I feel like if that was kind of what they were going for, then they failed there. Because at no point do I think of Dino as a surrogate father or anything like that for Ash. I just have always thought of him as um, an abuser. Yeah, well, uh, that's why it ties back to me saying that you could eject the rape from it and actually would make the situation more complex without you having to change any of the actual lines, really. <laughs> Apart from removing the references mm-hmm. like Ash makes to doing it. Having said that, I do understand why Golzine feels that he 
that despite you know him not learning how to knife fight and snipe by his own hand that ash still owes him because you know he paid for that dog's training classes <laughs> just because he's not the dog trainer i'm a flash i'm a flash car all the you know mm-hmm. all the material gifts he's bestowed on him certainly are another thing yeah yeah and he he you know if it wasn't for Golzine, there would be no um no blanca in ash's life indeed so... but again to boil it back this is why i find it problematic because Golzine can make these statements all i want and all i keep going back to is you raped him shut the fuck up it's it's it's, I can't, it's a brick wall. It evokes it evokes a visceral reaction. Uh, yeah, to be sure. Yeah, but it actually weakens the work as a result, in my opinion. These concerns are easily resolved if you guys read the manga. Fair enough. Uh, after though, after not now, we want to judge this adaptation on its own merits. <laughs> um, Indeed, without because it should stand alone. It should stand on its own and not require the reading of the manga, in my opinion. You know, Indeed. I think I think I I agree with everything you said about adaptation, and we talk plenty on this podcast about adaptation. Um, and just to complete the circle uh, of what you said, um, you know, being true to the spirit of the material and everything, it should also, in my opinion, adaptation should stand alone. Uh, that is, that can be a hard line to walk in the sort of modern anime uh, landscape when mixed media projects and, you know, uh, product tie-ins abound. And, uh, but even back in the, you know, back in the day of the OAV, you know, late eighties, early nineties, that stuff was, was happening quite a bit. So, uh, but it's still a rule that I firmly maintain uh, and hold to that a good adaptation should stand alone and not require you to read the source material to gain a full appreciation of it. Um, okay. Mm. Just to answer Sulu Bell's comment there, you're exactly right when I say, like, you know, Golzy make his various points and your reaction is, you know, fuck you, die in a fire, all mm-hmm. those various this reactions. You're entirely correct, but I don't think it's, I don't think that the show benefits from having that background of his, you know, his interactions with Ash. I think it makes him more one-dimensional. So are because you... of the fact we keep running into that particular reaction, it's immediate. It just it makes everything he says irrelevant. You, you can't you can't consider for a moment that there's any merit of truth to it because that conquers all. It bypasses all. Are you of the opinion that? That good villains must must be somewhat sympathetic. I'm of the opinion that good villains, when they're making statements like that, shouldn't have another element of their history or backstory completely and utterly black it out to the point where it doesn't matter if they say it or not. Right. Okay. So you're saying you don't think Golzine is a good villain, and ultimately that hurts the show. That's why. Yeah. Not not uh, that want, not that anybody yeah. reacting to it. Uh, revulsively is incorrect. That's entirely no, no, no. That's correct. entirely intentional, and that's merited. And like I say, I think the fact that Ash, the way Ash has conveyed his pain, and the way he's reacted to all this happening, has genuinely touched me. Like, I felt, mm-hmm. I felt for that. I have. Yes. yes. But it's not then following through on that. Like you know, part of healing from a grievous wound, in my opinion, is to firstly get it out there why you're hurt. To you know, to weep, to cry, to sob, to fight, to punch, to swear, 
all that kind of stuff. And he's done that. What's the next step? As far as Banana Fish is concerned, I don't know. It can be really hard sure. to complete the complete the steps when you're being pursued, though. Well, this is this is true, but I'm saying there have been moments of downtime in which you know he might want to explore that with Aid. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going back to the idea of you know them dealing into the sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I should stress as well. I don't think Golzine is strictly speaking a bad villain. I just think that he, out of the villains in the show, even though he is the primary antagonist, the one who holds the most attention for me easily is Lo Young. Yeah, hundred percent. Country mile. Love you, Lung, for sure. Because he, he's clearly like the. He's got. He's clearly the parallel version of Ash, but also interesting in his own way. He has his own traumas to deal with. Mm-hmm. He and indeed, funnily enough, the what Look Young is doing with killing his family—that is him dealing with his traumas as it happens. Yeah. Not a course of action we ultimately agree with. And I think the show would have benefited if Ash had been dealing with his own traumas, you know, in a more positive way, rather than not really at all. Because then they could have contrasted. You see how this kind of. Feels I think, like it's I think that there's still yeah I mean I think that there's still plenty of room for him and someone could make a case that he's still in the process of like accepting accepting them mm. um because and then you have uh your 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 moon to Ash's son uh Yudlung who is not accepting them who is defending against them and running from them and killing them and ultimately mm. that sort of thing will will consume you uh mm. if you don't accept them acceptance is the only way to uh to ultimately resolve yourself and be at peace um and yeah they're taking these kind of opposite divergent paths uh i hear what you're saying about the need for some more clarity on that i i do think that i think you could probably argue that that that's there though you know what I mean? That Ash is that you could argue that Ash is on the path to acceptance, and Aegis helping him. But as always, I mean that's the part of the show I always want more of, though. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. I, I, it feels insufficient. They clearly yeah. have the germ of an idea here of pathway for it. But I mean, they even started early hints of it, like with the cop touching Ash on the shoulder. This is the thing that I then pointed out in the previous episode, where something similar happens, and it's just kind of played for comedy even though that to me felt like a very very clear starting point for a character arc or a character element about how it's affected him you know just being touched by people so that hasn't been followed through really at this point now there are episodes left I will confess and I'm not going to you know hold it against the show but I want to get out there now because it's been kind of nagging me for a while Mm, it's been percolating in your mind (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and with recent shows will be coming out, which I've had discussions with people who I will be frank to talk about, uh, in which they trivialize the element of rape in fiction. I just thought, you know what, let's just ha- let's talk about it. Let's actually fucking talk about it in this show, because it is here. Yeah. He did salute the bell, but I'm... The Pork thing is, murderer. there's hugs, and then there's hugs. Like, there's, you know... I, I don't know. I would have thought at this point, this many episodes into the show, it might have been something a bit more than that. You wanted to see him. Fuck it. No. Philip Sark would have been fine. I'd been okay with it. Something more intimate than that. I mean, bear in mind, if they are sleeping in the same room, they are still sleeping in separate beds as well. So, platonic is the word of the day here. I would Listen, I'd be fine if they were having... I I want them to go there. You know I want them to go there. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, again, I think this is just a function of the materials uh, time. 
and it hasn't necessarily aged that well relative to what we might need right now. Mm-hmm. But I will also just again remind people, as a cis guy, I cannot speak on behalf of LGBTQ plus people on what is sufficient representation or what is sufficient for someone's, you know, for relationships or depiction thereof. That's a good point. So don't take it from me solely. Read, speak to other people. You have are... to get to this level to be for real. Like, yeah, you don't. We don't want to like, yeah, sort of in a in a misguided effort to like be pro this sort of enforce a, yeah. a standard upon yeah. it that doesn't need to be there yeah so that's just, entirely fair so, that's a that's a good point so, so too long didn't read if i'm talking shit to you and it sounds like i'm talking shit you i i probably am but anyway um yeah that's basically my elongated talking point here um i think that for me i generally speaking don't really like rape being used in fiction the way it is a lot of times these days it's usually a motivating device for another character to go do something and usually it smacks of laziness it smacks of crassness it smacks of treating life <laughs> and i don't think that's the case with banana fish i genuinely don't because they have spake, they've, they've, they've like taken a lot of time in the earlier episodes particularly to show that it has hurt ash quite quite severely as you would expect but we don't then, to my opinion, really see what follows on from that in a way that would feel like it's a complete depiction and understanding of how one heals from such trauma. Yeah. It feels more like... Mm. The, I mean, if you want to take away the message from here that if you've been abused as a child in such a manner that the best relationship you can have is one in which your significant other never touches you intimately or is intimate with you in any other way, basically shut you off from that world of experience... I would disagree that's with that. That's what I don't. That's what I don't want that, the message that, to be. That that's that is. I would disagree with you that Banana Fish says that, but I also want immediately also write it off. Yeah, Banana Fish does good, but it could have done better. I think that that's like that's, that's the, the, best the nutshell. Me- but and that's that. not a reason to like to vilify Banana Fish. And I hope that's not what we're coming across. No, no, doing. no. We're just I... kind of thinking out loud about how we would have liked it to be better. But I still yeah. think, you know, much with, um, I cut this part from the podcast we recently put out, but there's a, an Ursula K. Le Guin, a book called The Left Hand of Darkness, in which it is meant to be very progressive about uh, gender. But, um, you know, 50 years ago, uh, it, t- time has not been kind to to the book in terms of just there are some essentialist flubs. And the same, you know, is... is true for banana fish you know it yeah. wanted to um, do do well but um yeah but just to have, your point sam mirror into the belt i i don't either i'm just playing devil's advocate here for someone who might want to pitch that as kind of like the overarching or even maybe the under the radar idea that it's putting out there intentional or no i'm just up thinking you can make a case I, could, I think you can make, make a case i would i would disagree wholeheartedly with it i'd think that it's bollocks but I can at least understand how you might get to thinking that point, given what's presented on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's my that's my talking point on. I have, I have nothing else to say now. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. Right, well, I'm done. Next point. I also only have one, uh, and maybe we can spend a lot of time on this also. But um, the the Ash and Aji conversation on the ferry about Ash's mother. Um. 
Mm-hmm. So, boy, I I really thought this was interesting. Um, up there with the the Lynx business on the mountain, um, mm-hmm. maybe not quite reaching those heights, but still, I thought extremely good. And there's a lot you could take away from this scene about the character of Ash and his, you know, remaining insecurities. Um, Mm. I thought it was really interesting that when A.G. said, of course your mother loves you, Ash's kind of gut instinctual reaction is to go, yeah, but why did she... And then he kind of cuts himself off, and we know from later in the episode, Ash is a man who deeply trusts intuition, and his life is governed by his instinct. And yet, he cuts his own instinct off here. And why is that, right? Like, why why does he not want to explore? And I think, I mean, it's just extremely painful is the answer, right? Like, why did my mom leave me? I mean, that's fucking just incredibly difficult uh, yeah. to mean, deal with. I mean, you could make the argument that um, there's always this thing, like, you know, about blaming brute causes. And a lot of what's happened in Ash's life, you could, if you wanted to, although I would disagree because I think it's individual access this, but if you wanted to make the argument that a whole of the shit that's happened in his life stems in some way from his mom leaving him, that's again much like the argument I presented before. I would not agree with. I would understand how you arrived at, and maybe that's for him how he feels about it. That he, bla- you know, he perhaps portions the blame for everything that's happened since then on his mother, rather than necessarily putting all of it on the people who've done it. Like, you know, Golzine rapes him, so that obviously is mostly Golzine's fault. But then, how did I get to this position, which I allowed this to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Where does it all boil back to? Where's the root where's the canal poisonous root of everything um so that's one way that you could look at it although i again would say that i don't agree with that perspective i can understand how someone might feel that way especially if they you know had such traumatic experience happens to them. it's very easy to go right back to the source as the one thing that you blame all of your problems on. yeah i mean gosh this is just very base level like hard question (laughs) like uh and i can understand not wanting to confront it like why didn't my mom love me you know that's hard that's fucking difficult uh because she left you as a baby uh Mm. and why didn't she protect me or or let's say what ag said is true right my mom my being me ash ash's mom uh loved him well if that's the case like you know why did things turn out this way Mm. you know because in a lot of ways ash is like uh i mean he's still very young and he's grown up in some ways but in some ways you could argue that he's also stunted uh yeah well here's the thing like if there's one thing that reading Flowers for Algernon taught me, by the mm-hmm. way, read that book it's fucking incredible. It's the best book I've ever written, and I will recommend it to anyone in a heartbeat. 
who is at least old enough to understand the meaning behind it. But there's one thing that really, really taught me, which seems obvious, but it is true, and I think it's worth reminding, is that you could be the smartest man on the planet. You could be, dare I say, some of an IQ over 200. You know? You could dare say be that. That does not make you emotionally smart. It does not make you emotionally intelligent, emotionally mature. And so, yeah, I think I think that certainly applies in Ash's case here that, you know, I mean, AG was the one who said in one of the previous episodes, I'm still trying to figure out my feelings. I think that applies just as much for Ash, even if it's not necessarily in the way that I would ultimately like in which they express themselves, you know, more sexually, try to explore that kind of element and, you know, let that be a part of their relationship rather than it being like, at least as far as the optics are concerned, platonic. Right. But certainly, it still facts into how they treat each other. I mean, Ash has flip-flop from go, leave, don't come back, fuck you, fuck off, get out of this country. Uh, I'm doing this not because <clears throat> you're bad, because you're too good for me. That's the thing. Don't want you to get hurt. Yeah, don't want you to get hurt. And now he's come back to the other way around where I would worry for you even if you had gone. There's nothing I can do about it. So I think he's still trying to explore his face. And maybe that's an explanation for why the is broadly platonic, you know, that he can't even get to that point yet in which you consider it, because he's still trying to figure out the more emotive side of it. Who can yeah. say? And he, I think even beyond the worry, I think he just wants him near. Really. And yeah. who can blame him? Um, so, if, you know, if Ash's, if the, the love of Ash's mother didn't save him, right, if she really did love him, Mm-hmm. Then, what does that say about the love of Ash and Ag? Is that supposed to? We're we're supposed to. They they believe, and I think we're supposed to believe that it's going to save him. I don't know. Can it save anybody? Love? I don't know. Uh, I think. I think that they still have to. I think the show wants to say that they still have to try yeah. and that it's a good thing that he's going to, that Ash is um, being being pulled out of a loveless life, being loved, being lifted up by that. And I don't know if so in the they... end they're going to be saved. And certainly love alone couldn't save him as a child. It didn't protect yeah. him from all the awful so, shit he went through. But so, so basically your summary of the plot thus far is, what is love? Baby, don't hurt Stop me. it. Stop it. Don't hurt. Sorry. You're getting the booze right now. <laughs> like I've said before, folks, there's a very good reason I don't do karaoke, even though sometimes I do feel, you know, the urge to do so simultaneously. I mean, I'll say so, you know, just go with sexual healing. I mean, that was the thing I was asking for. <laughs> um, man, I can't remember the next line of that song, or I would quote it right now. But... But yeah, uh, I mean, we'll, we we will see. Um, mm. I don't know if, you know... I, I think for me, it's going to also really depend on the context of why she left, because that's something that's still hanging up. And funnily enough, maybe it could even never tell us that. Because, you know, there are certainly cases in which children never know their biological parents, and they only know the thinnest of backstories. Mm-hmm. And they may never then find out. And that in its own right can be really interesting, you know, fiction that Ash has created in his head of like, you know, all the horrible things he perceives of, you know, the, <clears throat> you know, of his mother, like, oh, clearly she must have been a harlot. She's left for another guy, surely, that she just met. 
that kind of thing, you know, all complete fiction, all completely made up. But it fits a narrative in his head that justifies his hatred of her and why he feels betrayed by her leaving in the absence of knowing the truth. But I also think it's going to very much boil down to the truth at hand if it does get revealed. Yeah. And I'm thinking of Macross Delta now, funnily enough, and I'm going to shut my mouth before I say any more about it because we're saving that for a very Macross Christmas. That's right. The, ma- uh, the Mac Christmas. <laughs> yeah, the very Macross Christmas. Which I, so I'm, just, I'm going to be quiet on that. But I'm just going to say that there have been times in, in fiction before where I think that if you could deliver a reasonable amount of a reasonable revelation on you know truth behind a parent's absence that can be really interesting uh and there are times that you know when it might be better off not revealing it at all because what we do get unfortunately can be underwhelming i mean i would for example yeah. be very I, i'd be happy but i'd be disappointed for example if it turned out that ash's mother simply left because she died she died in, like say in a car accident not criminal related nothing like that it was just a twist of fate she never meant to leave him. Maybe she was even coming to pick him up from, you know, a nursery or something like that. I mean, I'd be okay with that in the sense that I'd be happy that nothing on she had done anything on the wall, but it would be very dramatically unfulfilling as well. I don't think there's pro- there's probably not any reason that can satisfy Ash, you know. No. I mean, what reason could could make it where he would wouldn't be extremely angry? You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> uh, or hurt. Um even if she was entirely justified, that he still also be entirely justified in feeling hurt by it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the only other talking point I had was the use of PowerPoint, which we went over. Uh, and I just want to know if, like, in the 80s manga, the pre PowerPoint days, if these were just microfiche slides. Uh, I think, I think on a uh, that was that earlier, actually. Who won? Scrolling up the chat here, I'm gonna find it. Someone mentioned, I remember seeing it. Uh, he just talks with Dino according to this. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, uh, Mira said that in the manga, uh, Yulong just actually spoke with Dino about it rather than giving us this very visual demonstration. Oh, boo, that's like weak. <laughs> I like that's the visual a, I'll aids. Be, I'll be, I'll be fair, though. The graphs. <laughs> I'll be fair though, I think that's probably one of the better ideas behind, you know, the adaptation element. Because mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to present it visually. I mean, how would you be able to convey a PowerPoint like that? Uh, and technology notwithstanding, of course, in a manga that's probably not like that big page wide. It'd be difficult to get all that across without being horribly confusing. I mean, maybe two maybe page spread, so. perhaps, I, I don't know. But that's a nice, that's a small but nice change in that case, then, to go from that, uh, just a conversation to gain the information across visually as well. Even if it's also very funny. I'm just making a poll about it now. Is the addition of PowerPoint the best addition to the Banana Fish anime adaptation? What I really want to know, though, is if Yutlung had, like, multiple slides, did they have star transitions between... Star wipe! What was the transition? Was it a star wipe? Yeah, Tula Bell's right. Like, if you wanted to have, like, say, that two-page spread I mentioned, probably a lot of it would be obscured by the speech bubbles. Mm-hmm. So... It, you know what? I'll take the good adaptational choices made. I mean, that's a small one, but it, you know, he's obviously showed really quickly. You know, displays what he's done research-wise. Mm-hmm. Goes in with the, you know, the <clears throat> reminds us of the relationships between characters. Goes in with the camera angles as well. 
I think I liked it. It was a nice small change, but a welcome. Agreed. Um, well, are we to the end of our discussion? I don't know if there's a lot more to break down unless there's some questions from anybody in the chat uh, mm. about wanting wanting to know what we thought of X, Y, or Z. Um, I think we covered a lot of the realm. We don't have a lot to say yet about Blanca because, you know, there's not a lot of meat on the bone yet. There's a... It's a, time a, for that, then. Hasty's not the right word, but a, a very quick and dirty characterization uh, so far. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much have we got left? Uh, uh, we have... Six episodes? Uh, yeah. Seven. I think yeah. 18, 19. Like, I don't think it's 18, 19, 20, 21, 2... 324 is seven seven it's embarrassing uh yes um boy the final third of the show i i hope we get a i hope we get a satisfying dramatic climax some solid falling action good resolution i want them mm-hmm. the show deserves them don't botch the ending yeah I mean, if I had to sum up my feelings on Banana Fish thus far, I think that the raw material is fantastic, excepting the the two elements I've described, which is that Ash is too good, and it hasn't aged well relative to modern sensibilities. But it is still so good and so strong that I still really like it. If it feels like I've been coming across quite hard on the show with the talking points made in the past few episodes... I'm only speaking to the specifics and not to the wider things. I'm still very much entertained by this week on week. I'm still very much invested in seeing Ash. I do this because I love you. This hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I really still am invested in the characters and want to see them succeed. I'm genuinely impressed with Man. everything <sighs> that's coming up so far. Like, yeah. I'm still thinking back actually to how I probably undersold how hard that episode was shot as death hit me. That was brutal. It was very that brutal. Was, that was fucking brutal to watch. Uh, yeah. But not in not in a way that, again, I must stress, was narratively bad. Like, I could say something was brutal to watch because it was a giant piece of shit. Quite the opposite in this case. It was magnificently written. It was cruel and capricious. But it made me want to see revenge, want to get behind the characters for this awful injustice that happened. With the way they treated the characters who briefly as he was in the, in the show was still really likable shot was great shorter ruled i mean let's make shorter no bones ruled. about it like oh that shorter. This, this oh that that shorter ruled so hard like uh, fucking this this podcast is extremely pro shorter wong uh yeah and and skipper okay skipper skipper owned okay don't you skip can't, on skipper you can't you can't argue otherwise to me and remain I'm my so friend. I'm sorry. Uh, Indeed. Shall we rate the episode then, Doc? I suppose we should. Um, what do you give it, my friend? I am going to give episode 17, The Killers, uh, <laughs> 3.25 uh, bottles of wine with trilby labels on them. Out of five. Ooh, okay. There's one amazing visual cue that was for what was coming. Mm-hmm. I was that was magnificent, honestly. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with that because I don't have a strong feeling of. It doesn't seem like a four star episode, but 
I don't want dropping it below three and a half also seems uncharitable for for what was there. So I'm going to also go three and a half PowerPoint slides uh, of criminal data out of five. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just this show, I would I, uh, I don't I mean, we talked about adaptation and standing on its own and doing its own thing. So I don't want to sound too hypocritical when I say I don't want things to get cut. <laughs> I, I do want to get all the character context possible. But uh, as uh, Jeff pointed out, you know, the manga is there for me uh, afterward if I want to pursue that and see the full mm. the full deal. Um, there was a cut dick joke. Does this mean they that there was a dick joke that was removed or does this mean that there was a joke I missed that was about someone's dick that was like physically cut what does this mean <laughs> what uh, was oh, the dick there joke is one, there is one small thing that I forgot I can't believe I didn't bring this up but I'll keep this brief there's something I want to mention as well so there is a scene in which um, this is after the introduction of Blanker in which Ash is getting changed going ready to go and go you know pour himself out so to speak um, the camera of this is framed in such a way is that when he's putting his pants on, it shows it in glorious detail. And that's not me being... No, no, no. That's not me being facetious to us. It's good. Like, <laughs> you'll often find... I, I think this is something I realised when I was watching uh, Dan Olsen's Fifty Shades of... Sorry, Fifty Shades Darker review, where he said that when you've got men uh, doing camera work for male characters in a sexual form, they'll tend to be very coy about how they portray it. Uh, but in this case, No. Here's all of Ash's under half as he's putting pants on. So I'm even as a cisset guy, I will say I appreciate them putting that in there because that's the work. It's bio It's meant to show off the characters and show their forms and their <laughs> figures. I'm sorry. Reading chat. That's that's not you. <laughs> oh, why do we insert do... just cut insert the... spicy insert spicy mustard joke yes. here? Yeah. Yeah, oh, cut the oh. cut the best jokes. Why don't you? Anime adaptation, <laughs> Miss oh, Sassy Ag is a necessary component of this story. I'm beginning to feel. We get yeah, a little be... we get a little pouty Ag, but Sassy Ag has not heretofore reared his head. But sadly not. No. But I'm sorry, I cut you off by laughing. No, no, I I said all I wanted to say really on the matter, which was I just appreciate that. You know they're preserving that element in the adaptation. I mean, it's not something that's aimed at me, but I appreciate it's there regardless because it again maintains the spirit of the original work. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess, I guess that's that. Oh wait, let's revisit um, the Twitter poll really quick for those listening uh, via audio only. Mm-hmm. There will be the following Twitter polls. That you can vote on. For episode 17 of Banana Fish, The Killers, are we a human or B dancer? Uh, early, it's early days, but dancers running away with it at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, are all existent humans horny for Ash Links? Duh, and probably are the choices. Duh is winning 71%. Um, and, uh, very early days on this poll, 
very few votes, but 100% feel that the addition of PowerPoint is the best addition to the hashtag banana fish anime adaptation. Of course it is. It absolutely is. The only way it could be better is if there was Microsoft clip art in it. It was just a tiny cartoon house. That paperclip can get fucked, though. I hate that guy. Oh, yeah, fuck Clippy. Would you, uh, would you like help preparing this document? Fuck. No, please stop using valuable RAM by existing. Um, so the choices on that one are yes, Star Wipe, or no, it's not Prezi. Are you familiar with Prezi? I am not. Okay. It's an online presentation software that it bills itself as a fancier PowerPoint, and it lives in the cloud, and you don't have to do shit on your own desktop and uh it's it's all right uh you know but it's no let me just it's no let's be real here folks um with that though i think we've come to the end of today's stream thank you all for waiting patiently for us indeed thank you thank you apologies for the problems uh i say my house is currently being renovated i wasn't aware that my dad had actually arranged electricians to visit, visit in the evening mm. mildly inconvenient because i spent a good hour in the dark just tech twittering on my phone uh so the street would have been a bit awkward using my camera phone in the dark like, <laughs> i mean like some blair witch shit or something <laughs> yes. like that yes i uh... so uh <laughs> i want to actually see the inglorious uh quasi high definition i'm very sorry to say i once had a a person uh conduct their job interview uh on just a cell phone sitting on a bench outside and uh you know instead of like holding it up you know as you might do it was laying flat on the bench and he was looking over it uh it was did he get the odd. job no uh, that's not a surprise no he did not <laughs> yeah. maybe what i should have done was like if you see the league of legends music video maybe i should have like you know started spray painting everything and started wearing the you know glow-in-the-dark purple and uh, green spray paint stuff. Have you seen that, Doc? No, I have not. Send it to me. Uh, well, anyway. anyway. But yeah, uh, thank you all very much indeed for joining us today. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week, if I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I will be out of uh, town tomorrow and the next day. If there are any of you in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, uh, please hit me up on Twitter at the subtle doctor and we can arrange to have a drink or something. That is where I will be for the next couple days. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you'd like to like to hang out, I'd be more than happy to, um, mm-hmm. but where can the folks find yeah. you on, on good old Twitter? Well, I'll throw out there as well. If you ever happen to be by in Manchester in the United Kingdom, uh, you can drop me a line and I'll probably swing by and we'll, again, we'll also go get pissed. Why the fuck not? Uh, as for Twitter, you can find me at Shaden1010 and also at CuriousCat.me forward slash Shaden1010 if you want to ask me stuff. Uh, yeah, no no sassy talk this time. Just keep it simple. Very good. Very good. And uh, on that note, everybody, we thank you so much again. Please, uh, I got to fulfill the podcast bingo here. Please rate and review us on iTunes as it helps Smash our discoverability. That's right. You know, if you're listening to this via podcast, we do have a YouTube channel in which the stream of thoughts are live streamed with our lovely faces on them. Um, see us talk at you in real time uh, if you'd like or don't. We have a SoundCloud page as well. And, of course, Apple Podcasts. Or there's plenty of other 
podcatcher stuff that we're on. We should be everywhere at this point. Um, mm. Please follow us on Twitter at Watery Dish Show. Drop us a line at Watery Dish Show at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Embrace each other, everyone. To the ends of the universe. Good night. Thank you.